Bienvenidos a Chiva Pod. I'm your host, Sebastián Minovicelli. You probably heard my voice on Gator Talk with Golden Gate Express. This is the pilot episode, so I have to let everyone know what's up. So here are the five pillars of Chiva Pod. Número uno, this is the bilingual podcast for the Latinx community, so you might hear Spanish and English at times. Número dos, I say Latinx community to be inclusive to the non-binary folk who don't identify with gender-exclusive language in Spanish. Así es, if you want to identify me, call me by Latino. Número tres, I was born in the Valle de San Fernando in Los Angeles by two beautiful Ecuadorian parents who are Guayaquileño and Rio Bambeño. They immigrated in the 90s to Los Angeles, so that makes me Ecuadorian-American, but I've also been a dual citizen since 2012. Número cuatro, you will hear Ecuadorian slang or slang from other countries that speak Spanish, and that's okay. I'll break it down for you. Número cinco, Chivo means go in Español. Chivas is a Mexican soccer club in Guadalajara, Mexico. But in Ecuador and Colombia, a chiva is a party bus, and it takes you through the city while also transporting goods. Okay, ¿estamos listo? Bueno, let's get on to the news. So here are the quick headlines. From NBC News, there's a COVID shot tourism with Latin Americans traveling to the U.S. for COVID vaccines. From Reuters Newswire, Latin Americans' death toll is at 1 million. Ojalá que Dios nos cuida. Como siempre, if you're able to get a shot, please book an appointment. And if you can, please wear your mask. So here's the main story. I wanted to put on a spotlight on Latin America with headlines made in Colombia, Puerto Rico, La República Dominicana, y El Salvador. I sat with Professor Juanita Darling. She's the coordinator of Latin American Studies minor at San Francisco State. She was a correspondent in Latin America way before she became a professor. And also, just for transparency, I used to be a student taking a class in international relations. There's been a, a lot of news going on in Latin America right now. Uh, the main question is, for someone who's living in San Francisco or in the state of California, like, what does this uh, mean to us? Um, but before we get to that question, uh, you know, how are you doing overall? <laughs> oh, yeah, I think that we're we're all just we're coping and uh, looking forward to having some a little bit of relief from all of our restrictions that we've all been living with during the pandemic. I've been. I've been following um, the Colombia situation a lot more closely. Um, the uh, it's it's been very interesting because Colombia is has been divided over Duque and kind of what he represents, and it's um, we're now with taxation that seems to be the unifying point that has um, that has really driven the wedge and gotten the most people out to um, to contest that government I mean and it's the as, as what we see happening over and over again in in countries is that there is frustration that builds up and then something sets it off and that is definitely the case of what's, I think, of what Duque's, um, President Duque is confronting in Colombia. That um, there, is, there is terrific frustration over this tax issue, but it's also kind of a buildup of other problems that have been going on. Presidente Duque took this controversial tax reform that will allow the government to continue spending on social programs. The tax increase would hurt uh, working and also middle-class families. What we've been seeing lately is that 24 people were killed due to the escalating police brutality. 
This is the first country in Latin America to focus on rebuilding the economy post-COVID. That this this issue of spending on social programs is as a as a difficult one. Now, it's part of it is we have to take into account that Latin America is one of the most un it is the most unequal region in the world. So there are huge disparities between the wealthy and the poor. And trying to equal even that out is actually a controversial idea. Not everybody is on board with the idea that these disparities should be evened out. Now, to complicate matters further, there is a lot of tax evasion. And so the people at the very top really are not paying as much taxes as they're supposed to pay. And it's very difficult for the government to track that money. And where government can actually tax fairly easily is income. And so that means that the middle class and the working class are paying most of the taxes. In addition, the, the complication with Colombia is that this social spending is tied into the peace agreements. These social programs are required under the accords by which the guerrillas, the, the FARC, uh, were willing after 60 years to lay down arms. And there are, all, there are already dissident factions of the FARC who don't expect that the government is going to fulfill its obligations under the treaty and not fulfilling those treaty obligations tends to reinforce the point of those dissident factions and risk carrying on the civil war further. Also because there's, there's a small guerrilla faction, the ELN, who hasn't yet finalized, but why would they agree to terms if they know the government isn't gonna fulfill those terms? So it's all, it's all mixed up together. Professor Darling wanted to clarify for the audience that Colombia has never been part of the Pink Tide. As of recently, Ecuador voted for the right-wing candidate, President-elect Guillermo Lasso, a former businessman, banker, politician who served under President Hamil Mahuad. Peru is going through a general election. Most importantly, candidate Pedro Castillo of the left-wing party Free Peru against Kiko Fujimori of the right-wing party Popular Force. Kiko Fujimori would be the first woman elected as president of Peru and the second of Asian descent after her father, Alberto Fujimori, the controversial former president of Peru. Now, Colombia has been center-right. Even though groups like guerrillas have signed peace agreements with the government of Colombia, they have been given an opportunity to participate in the political system. Their participation had always been marginal. Um, do you want to uh, move on to Puerto Rico? That's been a country recently that's been dealing with uh, large amounts of femicide since, uh, I believe, the Hurricane Maria uh, struck the island. Yeah, um, the Commonwealth of, of, of Puerto Rico, which is actually legally a U.S. dependency, a U.S. territory, is the latest part of the latest location for this phenomenon of feminicides that we saw. Um, it was first recognized 
uh, along the border with between the US and Mexico on the Mexican side. And then it moved to Guatemala. And there was, uh, there have been uh, numbers of femicides in Guatemala. And now we're seeing it rise again in Puerto Rico. And this seems to be, first of all, a situation that arises when there is very little police presence and very little police enforcement. And it also seems to be uh, a reaction against uh, independent women, uh, women, because most of the, the um, victims are, are women who are working. And so it also arises at times of economic stress. And of course, Puerto Rico has been undergoing tremendous economic stress from natural disasters and from uh, questions of uh, management and even and also questions of its treatment because of its uh, very odd status um, within the United States uh, because it's not it's not it's not independent but it also doesn't enjoy the full benefits of statehood and working women seem to take the brunt of people's frustrations in these situations. Dominican Republic has a total ban on abortion, but mm -hmm. activists are fighting for three exceptions, you know, for the life of the mother, who's at risk when the fetus is inviable, and three in cases of rape and incest. And so there's been a lot of protests um, demanding change. Um, why? should um, SF State students uh, care about what's going on in uh, in the Caribbean? Well, I think part of it, it's, it's on, this is not, not just in the Dominican Republic that this is happening. Um, these um, abortion bans uh, have horrendous effects on women in El Salvador, for example. Uh, women who have had um, miscarriages have been, have been falsely accused of having abortions and have been sent to prisons for longer long terms, longer terms than people get for murder. Um, and what's happening in the Dominican Republic is an, is an indication of these, of the continuing influence of the Roman Catholic Church uh, and it's um, and this interesting alliance between the Roman Catholic Church and the evangelical movement of, around questions of um, of, of personal uh, access to to uh, access to abortion and other social issues. This is uh, probably the the most evident example, but there, it's, it's part of a larger picture. And this it's kind of the and this struggle that that women consistently face uh, across the region. We're gonna take a quick break. Support my work by following me on Twitter at Puccellimino and visiting the student publication website, GoldenGateExpress.org. So back here with the main story. The last major headline I wanted to get an insight was El Salvador with Presidente Nayib Bukele. Presidente Bukele got rid of the magistrate of the opposing party 
to install his own party members. Yeah, with Bukele has is he's a populist, and this is one of the issues that arises with a populist is that when leaders are members of political parties, the theory at least is that the parties set parameters and that the parties defend institutionality. That is not always true. But when there is, when a, when a party is built around a leader, as has happened with Bukele's party, then there is, there are no, there are no restraints. There are no institutional restraints. And what he is doing, which is what populists do, is that they try to break down the institutions. And this has been uh, a continuing issue. And part of the problem, to be fair to him, is that there is gridlock in the Salvadoran government. And he was elected by people who were tired of the gridlock. Um, people had gone from the, the right-wing party, ARENA, to the former guerrilla party, the FMLN, and basically had seen no movement, no change, because when a part, one party's in power, the other party tries to block them from doing anything. Now, I, I know that also when there's this back-to-back um, -back gridlock um, in a country, that's, that usually allows for a strong man uh, to emerge um, would you go on to say that Bukele is, quote unquote, the next you know strong man for El Salvador? He is. He is behaving within the caudillo strongman tradition, and it's um, and it's well, again going back to Ecuador. This is that when you have this a lot this period of instability and people don't trust the institutions, then what ha is likely to happen is that a strong man emerges. And es especially right now in a t period of time um, of, of crisis. I mean, we started out our conversation talking about how nice it is here that we're things are finally beginning to open up. Well, this is not, that's not true in Latin America. Um, the pandemic is raging in Latin America and people don't trust institutions, people don't want to wear masks, people don't want to social distance, and they often don't have the option of doing that. And the death counts are growing and growing and growing. I mean, Brazil, because it's so large, is, is alarming. It's now, what, the second highest death rate after India. Um, so Going back to your students um, now, has their semester entirely changed with uh, the recent uh, news going down in, in Central and, and Latin America, in the Caribbean? Well, well as, as you know, one of the, the things that we do is that uh, we, we follow the news. And it has been, um, it's, it's been quite, it's been a, a semester for following the news. And, uh, the, and, and the students represent different countries and are supposed to be the experts on uh, different countries. 
and uh, particularly I some of them have been have you know it's been very busy trying to keep up with what's going on um, the the Brazil contingent particularly has had a lot to deal with and a lot of um, and again one of the things that happens under populist presidents is that you get these wild swings and these total changes of policy and they and they've been contending with that are your students almost ready to uh, finish a semester with with news piling up every day <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's been um yeah making making the adjustments and uh and and figuring out how their how their final projects are going to go with all of these changes is a challenge. I think. Uh, I think they may be. I'm. I'm hoping that this will get them tuned in to spending their summer uh, watching what what develops. But they may also just be ready for a break from it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate uh, breaking it down. The current headlines of uh, I would say last week, but even it still continues on. Um, but you know, thank you again for bringing it down. Um, yeah, if um, if you want to plug in anything uh, that's going on with the International Relations Department and Latin American Studies as a minor, um, this is like your spot to do so. Oh, okay, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, so um, I would love to have the opportunity to invite students who are interested in Latin America to take some of the courses that we. Um, do in the Latin American Studies minor, uh, try out try out a few, and uh, and if you like it and enjoy it, we can help you work out a program so that you can graduate uh, with the Latin American Studies minor. For students in most of the LCA majors, um, they can by with careful selection and good uh, advising. Um, you can pick up a Latin American Studies minor, only adding maybe two or three classes. You just have to be think about what you're taking for your major and what you're taking for your other um, the other credits that you need to graduate, and that makes you stand out in the job market. So um, we are um, please you know let me know anybody who's interested should contact me and I'll be really help, happy to work with them in that way um, and in IR we have we have uh, various minors for various regions and um, again and it's a, it's the same thing just by by careful advising and choosing class as well uh, you can pick up that minor uh, with at adding a minimal number of classes Okay, and that's the end of the show. Muchas gracias por estar aquí con nosotros. Gracias por escucharme. My name is Sebastián Milovicelli. This is the first pilot episode of Chiva Pod, and I'm signing off.